Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. And my co-host for today, a celebrity among us, <laughs> a, a superstar in our orbit. Uh, my co-host today has a forthcoming book called We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. They are also a co-host of the show Fanti on this very network. You may also know their work from such publications as Out or the Los Angeles Times. And there is also an additional book coming out later this year called Historically Black Phrases. Mm -hmm. Travelle Anderson, you're a a multi-threat, you're a multi-hyphenate. What else do people (laughs) need to know about you before we get going? Yeah, you know, all of those things that you mentioned are true. There's a few extra things thrown in there as well, but you know, Mm -hmm. minor things. Um, And what you all should know is that I am a fabulous Southern belle and a church queen. And both of those things... (laughs) factor into my lens on the world. Those feel like two very important factors, especially as we're going to like get into another Southern Belle today on the show in Reese Witherspoon and her seminal role in Legally Blonde. Did this speak to the Southern Belle and Church Queen in you (laughs) when you saw it? Or was that totally unrelated? Totally unrelated. You know, okay. this character in particular, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde and Legally Blonde 2 and mm. Legally Blonde 3 and <laughs> 4 and 5 to come, etc. Um, <laughs> for me, it was like Elle Woods represented like the exact opposite of what life was like for me, mm-hmm. but but exuded so much of what I w- wanted or felt like life should be mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. And I just latched on to it. Because of Elle Woods, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, uh-huh. Like, that's what I went to school thinking I was going to be. Um, I, newsflash, I uh, am not a lawyer. <laughs> um, but like, it was, it was, it was that pivotal for me. Elle Woods is a performance mm-hmm. of gender. Elle Woods is a perfor- at, like at her the girl is a performance of femininity. Like it, it, it has that great like Darren Stein jawbreaker pops of color like Heather's bigger than life mm-hmm. kind of like the the stereotyping of these characters like even even Oz Perkins here like David Kidney. Like everybody <laughs> in this is the most heightened version of the archetype they're supposed to play. Selma Blair couldn't look more like a top button button <laughs> white woman in law school. And so I like I and this movie was beloved at the time that it came out, but I think still, like, it gets wrapped into the conversation at the time of, like, the chick flick. Yeah. When there was, like, that inherently minimized way of looking at movies for girls and gays. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. but she becomes this, like, iconic figure that inspires a fucking so generation to go to law so school. So much. Literally. Like, there are so many folks who, I promise you, you know, Elle Woods, Legally Blonde, was, was there you know, villain origin story. It's the reason, (laughs) you know, why they went to law school or why they got into the type of work. And, you know, I want to, I want to say this, you know, early in the podcast um, that I am a black non-binary person of trans experience who, Mm -hmm. you know, has just written a book, you know, coming out May 9th, available pre door (laughs) right now, wherever you get slave worthy (laughs) books um, about black trans visibility. And I have selected Elle Woods uh, and Legally Blonde. (laughs) An icon of black trans experience. You know, listen, okay? She was teaching the girls, I guess. Uh, But I think there is, not I think, 
I know that there is kind of this historical usage of white women as mm-hmm. like signifiers of difference in mm-hmm. our media and pop culture that that allows those of us who are different in more mm-hmm. ways than that perhaps to to latch onto them and sometimes see potential possibilities therein mm-hmm. right and i think it's only now that we're beginning to see you know in mass right um a variety of of black characters um yeah. in a variety of different spaces um, that allows and can be, you know, points and objects of identity and identifying mm-hmm. with for folks. Um, but Elle Woods, you know, for me, it was a lot of like, she's in these spaces where everyone is saying that she should not be in and she's not yeah. qualified to be in. And she ultimately, when 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 she goes back to herself, her truth, who she mm-hmm. is, her knowledge of ammonium thiglocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> like that is when you know she experiences this massively successful, you know, um, um, David versus Goliath, like you know, underdog overturning and and, and accomplishing. Um, uh-huh. And for me, as someone who at the time was this young black queer kid in South Carolina, the grandchild of a pastor, the child of a woman who ultimately was in the army for. 23 years of my life Mm. um, and was a single parent throughout that time um, there was just there was something there that spoke to me Mm -hmm. about oh you feel different you feel like you're not of this time um, but you are of this time Mm -hmm. and the world will make space for you because you will show them that you deserve all the space that you will take up Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Chenny, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Because they got wet? Exactly. Because isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm, at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thiglocolate? Yes. And wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? And if, in fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? It's always such a treat to have people who who have who are and have backgrounds in journalism, mm-hmm. like on the show. It's because like we we are you know it's like when you go in to interview someone that you're like making who's made a movie and you ask them a question where you've done the comparative literature of yes. their work in its entirety <laughs> and they're like it's my job and I'm here to talk about my job today but right. that's a good point you made I've never thought about ever <laughs> and and so it's 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 fun to have people who like just like instinctually like I connect dots and I, yeah. I make this not a scatter plot and so I want to hear you talk a little bit about this like the where where we are in visibility and representation now and what we're seeing like you actually mm-hmm. as Travel perhaps being able to see avatars that are closer to a one-to-one for yourself on screen now, but people who are now the ones putting out articles, publishing Mm -hmm. memoirs, essays, works of cultural critique about these greater options and visibility at a wide scale level were raised 
as people doing the head cannoning work of you putting yourself into Elle Woods, I, I'm a panormantic gray sexual person. So, like, it's me grafting, like, intimate, like, platonic romance mm-hmm. into best friend stories that I saw mm-hmm. growing up because there weren't, like, a, there aren't ace mm-hmm. romances kind of situation. So I wanted to hear about that experience of, like, writing about the the breakthroughs now or the options now, like, coming with, with we see each other, mm-hmm. knowing that you yourself were reared in a context where it had to be more headcanoning mm-hmm. than anything else, perhaps, at least at a wide mainstream level. You could be, like, a deep-cut fiction no, you're TV right. you're from so other right. countries cinema fan. You're so right. You know, I think when people check out the book, I think they might be surprised at the items of culture that I actually discuss. Yeah. Um um because of the ways that we um as people who come from communities that have been historically excluded and further marginalized mm-hmm. um we often have to do that uh, i love you you called it head canoning work yeah yeah having to create um, the head cannon for ourselves yeah like we 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 have to create so many different possibilities because mm-hmm. the world is not showing us what we know to be true, um, and we have mm-hmm. to latch onto these images that sometimes do not directly reflect um, mm-hmm. our experience, or perhaps we are seeing or projecting something onto it because we mm-hmm. need something that more readily holds us in the ways mm-hmm. that we we need and want to be held. Um, and and so you know, I. It it is it is so interesting because you know in the book I talk about everything from um, T- Tyler Perry as Medea mm. um, uh-huh. is a form a formative uh, piece of culture yeah. for me and my life as that mm-hmm. black queer you know Southern belle that I mentioned <laughs> earlier church queen as well <laughs> I have a very soft place uh, and complicated and complex place because of the related trans antagonisms, right, that we as trans women in films um, experience that very much so mirrors the same antagonisms uh-huh. that show up in a character like, you know, Medea, played by mm-hmm. a cisgender man. Um, mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it has been interesting to craft and create a canon of my own, right, that Mm -hmm. in so many ways um, pushes against what may be seen as, like, traditionally canonical works, Mm -hmm. right, to create and craft something that, you know, can represent a Black trans experience, but not necessarily... all of the 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 items in that canon being black trans works because mm-hmm. of the ways that we have been forced to you know ultimately survive um mm-hmm. in the landscape of, of of media and images that that we've been given um but there's so much more on the horizon and to come and that makes me excited well that like that's something that i i like to bring, shout out on the this podcast whenever I can it's just the what I consider to be as I've said the creative genius of marginalized people who have from day one had to more artfully and like creatively and perhaps just strangely graft themselves into places in culture where nobody says they belong or they don't even exist Mm -hmm. like that training from an early age to create worlds and support those worlds and sustain those worlds I mean I always say that for me you know 
the black trans imagination is the most powerful um, concept of life uh-huh. um, because of the ways that we have literally, you know, made ourselves out of the depths of our mind. Um, yeah. And often when you have not seen yourselves or slithers of yourself that are inspiring, aspiring or uplifting in whatever capacity, um, when you haven't seen that, it's just even more difficult mm-hmm. to actualize mm-hmm. what is going on in the truth of of how we live um, and show up in the world. And so, yeah, it's it's it gets demeaned and diminished and disregarded um, over and over, time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the scale of it increases depending on you know how many more intersections mm-hmm. you 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 know curve with um but there is so much possibility um out there for the taking i've read you know things you've written like you've written profiles of Lori harvey and lil nas x and (laughs) like and and laverne cox and i i was reading an essay you wrote uh after the passing of andre leon talley talking about him as a possibility model Mm -hmm. for you and while this like he is I would imagine that connection to you being far more profound than like what I'm currently going to ask you. But like the idea of L. Woods as was that something like a possibility model for you when you were first experiencing Legally Blonde? Absolutely. Like I mm. and it was. So I don't I don't know where I first heard the phrase possibility model. But the reason mm. why it resonated with me and resonated with I wanted to bring me, that into this because I really, really like, I really appreciated yeah, reading that. I, I can't remember who I took it from, but mm. um, it was it was offered up as a as a uh, uh, replacement language for role model. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Because role model in my estimation and the estimation of whoever I stole this from, um, is that like, (laughs) you know, role model comes and makes it seem like there is, you know, one finite path to Mm -hmm. actualize something. Mm -hmm. Possibility model changes the the vantage slightly to just say, this is an option. Yeah. This is another option. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps neither one of those options is exactly yours, but you mm-hmm. can pull something from here, pull something from here, put it together, shake it together, you know, runneth mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. And now you have someone amazing and fabulous such as me before you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Anjali Antali specifically, I came to him, I, sp- I speak about him in the book. I came to him um, through America's Next Top Model um, mm-hmm. uh, on reality TV. Same um, here, yeah, him and Miss J. Period. I also talk about yeah. Miss J as a possibility model as well. Um, love the, the combination of them. Um, and similarly, Elle Woods was a possibility model because of what I had been conditioned to understand as, oh, if you want to to feel something, enjoy something, the person on this screen that is most likely to reflect your experience, because there ain't no black people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we Regina King did come through in the sequel. We, we see you, Regina King. Um, but, you know, there were no black people. And so... The person you're supposed to look to is this 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 white woman who's being shunned because she's blonde and she likes mm-hmm. pink and she has a little doggy um, and mm-hmm. she wants you know a, an orange yeah. computer. Okay, 
Hi, I'm Elle Woods, and this is Breezer Woods, and we're both Gemini vegetarians. I have a bachelor's degree in fashion merchandising from CULA, and I was a Zeta Lambda Nu sweetheart, president of my sorority, Delta Nu, and last year I was homecoming queen. Oh, two weeks ago, I saw Cameron Diaz at Fred Siegel, and I talked her out of buying this truly heinous Angora sweater. Whoever said orange was the new pink was seriously disturbed. It was transformative in a lot of ways in mm-hmm. terms of just being like, oh, somebody can move through such a restricted space as yeah. Harvard Law School, is. To- we are told, is. And you can be so good in just the truth of who you are and your lived experience mm-hmm. that you just happen to be on the team of this big court case and it's through you that mm-hmm. they actually one get her to sign on and give you the the alibi right mm-hmm. but then you become the lawyer yeah <laughs> and you break the case because of how often you got perms in your life <laughs> And you know that the ammonium thylacolate goes with the water and it will ruin. And you are you kidding me? And you did it in some pink Jimmy Choo's and a pink, you know, listen, come on. Are you kidding me? Like for me and my younger mind that was clamoring Mm. for more. Yeah. Um, it opened up it opened up so many possibilities. I wanted to go to and apply to Harvard because of legally blonde. <laughs> but you I, I would are a graduate of the Harvard of the West, Stanford University. It was grad school, but yes, I shout yes. out to me. I did do that too. <laughs> as a as a as a as a someone in the same sports conference, I can never root for Stanford, but I recognize <laughs> I couldn't have got in and I couldn't have done what you did. So I admit you, you that. Pro- you probably could have and it's no shade and it's no shade to my fellow Stanford graduates. <laughs> I, I was listening to a recent episode of Fanti and you were talking about like no longer like no, no longer being like in a nine to five workplace. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about like you are no longer folded in the ways that sort of you're forced to fold yourself inward and together mm-hmm. in a corporate working environment. And I was wondering, like, what was your Harvard University where you showed up and mm. you were like, I'm fully me, perhaps. But then you were mm. like, mm, maybe I'm not fully me before having to, like, come out the other side of that, like, developmental landmark in, like, in various people, maybe anybody's life. Or they're like, yeah. no, I have the inflection point right now to decide how am I going to fold myself in this place? And if I have to do it, I have to leave. But I need to prove whether or not I can stay as myself or if I have to leave as myself. Yeah. So I've had a, a number of those uh, sure. <laughs> experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I want to first say, you know, th- this concept of unfolding that you're talking about um, is something that I got from Akweke Amezi, um, mm. who is a black trans um, um, writer. Um, they have a, a, a memoir called Dear Synthurin that everyone should check out. Um, mm. And... In, in that book, they talk about the process that many of us have to go through when we find ourselves having to fold parts mm-hmm. of ourselves away into yeah. ourself in order to fit in 
various particular types of spaces. Um, mm-hmm. Some might call it code switching. Some might call it, you know, dialing up and dialing down mm-hmm. different parts of our identity as a means of survival and navigating spaces. Um, and mm-hmm. they talk about their process of unfolding Mm-hmm. into the fullness of who they are taking up the necessary space that they should because of who they are mm-hmm. and Stanford you brought up Stanford Stanford was mm. an experience for me it was a one year program um I my in for undergrad I went to a college named Morehouse College in Atlanta it's a historically mm-hmm. black all male institution um Martin Luther King Jr went there Spike Lee went there Samuel L Jackson and me um, and you <laughs> and it was a very traditional um historically baptist type of mm. environment um all of the stereotypes that might perhaps come to mind as I use the, those descriptions um, mm-hmm. are in play here. Um, mm-hmm. And I was coming into myself as a black queer person at the time. That's mm-hmm. the context. So much to say, by the time I left Morehouse, I felt very secure in who I was and how I mm-hmm. was beginning to show up in the world and who I thought I was. And so I got mm-hmm. to Stanford in which I could go three days on campus without seeing another black person, except the one other black person in my journalism program. Um it was an experience that I always say it tested me. It tested Mm -hmm. the person I said that I was coming out of Morehouse College. It was like, oh, you're now in this space where, you know, the education isn't centered on you. You do Mm -hmm. need to, or I felt compelled to, you know, call out anti-blackness and racism in the instruction that we were being Mm -hmm. given about, you know, how to be good journalists. Mm -hmm. Um, And that created a push and pull relationship um, Mm -hmm, throughout mm -hmm. that program. And, you know, ultimately I doubled down and it was fine. You know, I made the experience what I made it and got the hell out Mm -hmm. of there with my degree. Um, But then going to the Los Angeles Times and being Mm -hmm. at the Los Angeles Times, a traditional legacy newspaper newsroom and doing always knowing that I wanted to cover black folks. I wanted to cover queer and trans people. There were instances, multiple instances in which I was told right in both explicitly and in not so many words that like the types of stories I wanted to do weren't um, welcomed um, and that I ultimately wasn't welcomed. And going through that experience as a young journalist while also navigating my own gender identity journey throughout that Mm -hmm. period as well um, created internal conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And ultimately... I left the LA Times, I went to Out Magazine as their director of culture and entertainment and being at a queer publication, right, allowed me in so many different ways to to begin unfolding. Yeah. Because I didn't have to, you know, lie about objectivity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Quote, unquote. Did you surprise yourself in the process of that unfold? Like, as those folds were coming out where you're like, shit, that's there? Oh my God, like what? Or were you like, like, were you very present 
and self-aware of sort of like the details of yourself and the facets of yourself that you were able to like live more fully into. No, it it was a journey. It it mm. I, I um as I was leaving the LA Times like that last year or so, I started doing a lot more pieces that were commentary essays mm. that were about whatever was happening in culture. So so when America's Next Top Model was announced to be canceled, I did this mm-hmm. essay about Andre Leontali and Miss J, right? Mm-hmm. I did when Prince died. I did an essay about Prince as a representation of, you know, gender expansivity in media. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those were the pieces that most connected with audiences. Those were the pieces that got the most feedback, good and mm-hmm. bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so as I went to Out Magazine, where I no longer had to lie, right, mm-hmm. about the realities of, of our lives as people who report um, and, and produce news, I was able to lean more into myself, which allowed mm-hmm. me to unfold greater into uh, ultimately, right? Like just writing stuff that grew out of my experience um, and 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 substantiating it right with the reporting that I had yeah. been doing at the time. We are going to take a quick break and we will have more with Travel about L Woods and if we've really crossed the quote transgender tipping point in culture. Then, at the end of everything, I will have one quick thing about the biggest news in Hollywood today, and that is the Writers Guild of America strike. Hi, I'm Travis McElroy. And I'm Teresa McElroy. And we're the host of Schmanners. We don't believe that etiquette should be used to judge other people. No, on Schmanners, we see etiquette as a way to navigate social situations with confidence. So if that sounds like something you're into, join us every Friday on Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishi K. Shearway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm talking to Travel Anderson, whose new book is called We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. And we've been getting into the many reasons why Travel felt seen by, of all people, Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. You're not smart enough, sweetie. Wait, am I on glue or did we not get into the same law school, Warner? Well, yeah, but... But what? We took the same LSATs, and we're taking the same classes. I know, but come on, Elle, be serious. You can do something more valuable with your time. I'm never going to be good enough for you, am I? Oh, come on. Just forget it. I'll show you how valuable Elle Woods can be. 
a thing that I think ages so well about Elle in Legally Blonde is this, like, assertion that, like, because Elle is stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Elle Elle is cliches of what, like, this bimbo sorority girl would be. Mm Mm-hmm. The, char- the characters you're not meant to root for are the ones who are poking fun at the stereotypes. And I understand that, like, it, it, I'm, I'm just so interested in this conversation now, right now around, like, you know, the idea of, like, on a red carpet, like, ask her more when that was having its moment in conversation. And it's like, yeah, ask her more, but also maybe she wants to talk about her dress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, And that's fine. And that's fine. And, like, I think what we what you have in Elle Woods is that it it's, you can break the case and it's also okay to want to talk about the dress. Yeah. And, like, you can be, like, there, it is not, we don't just want the GBF character, mm-hmm. in, but, like, the, the gay best friend, like, persona and, like, all the wonderful details and sort of hyperbolicness and bigness that can go into that particular trope, like, that is so many friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Like that is real and that is someone I love. And so I I like that this movie like I love its love of stereotypes in mm. in this like in the positive celebratory sense that like we get kind of robbed of being able to celebrate archetypes sometimes yeah. because representation of anybody that's not just some bro has been so yeah. flattened that it's like no but like I want that. So yeah. like, I want oh, to identify with that so like cut out of a person and all of its sort of easily accessible parts because like I know those people. I know Mary Sue's. I'm friends with Mary <laughs> Sue's. They're not villains. That is so good and you're so right. There are so many options that I think of of like really bad characters like assholes, <laughs> bitches, just yeah. a whole bunch of motherfuckers, you know? Um, but we know those people <laughs> and like yeah you know we don't want all, the only representation to be only that. Of, of that right but we can have some of those too and we don't and we also don't have to to um make a hierarchy out of them uh-huh. right they can all exist on the exact same plane we can have your you know your monogamous you know two white men and uh-huh. their twins and their dog right mm-hmm. and we can also have you know the hookers and you know <laughs> as my grandmother would say you know the sex workers you, you know get, get the, 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 the drug addict give me it all it reminds give me, me it all. this reminds me of something I often repeat this Jen Richards um, who is a trans actress, um, said to me a number of years ago when I was interviewing her about trans representation, and she she said that at the time, she felt like we were still in the Sidney Poitier phase of trans representation oh, wow. in okay. which all of the trans characters that you saw had to be these unassailable, nice, you know, against the trope types of characters as a means of like, you know, the first step in the yeah. in the journey toward you know greater and better trans representation, um, and and likening it to what we know was Sidney Poitier's mm-hmm. role in the industry at his time, um, but we want the hot messes, we want mm-hmm. the the trashy girls too, like <laughs> yeah. we. <laughs> We, we want it all because we are all of those things and yeah. everybody deserves, in my opinion, I, I, would, I would love a world in which everyone can see the direct reflection of them where they are then in their life mm-hmm. on screen if they want to. Um, and we're not there. The first character I ever reg- remember registering as a, as, a, as a queer character on screen was Hollywood in the movie Mannequin. 
Yes. The, uh, the window display designer Hollywood. Yeah. Who was, I think, a very Andre Leon Talley esque yes. figure in his height and his fashion yes. and his bigness. And like uh, that is clearly a character that is inserted as a gay, uh, gay mm-hmm. best friend, mm-hmm. a sassy gay friend, but is also kind of like the heart and soul of the movie, and is also mm-hmm. part of like the heroic ending that it has. Oh, please don't tell anyone you saw me dressed like this. I have a reputation to uphold. Oh, my lips are sealed, but I really appreciate this demonstration. <laughs> That's it, a demonstration. I will create a media event. You call the newspaper boys and girls. The headline will read, if Jonathan is fired, Hollywood flies. Excuse me while I step out into the windowland. I'm not gonna trust a, an Andrew McCarthy movie from the 1980s. <laughs> that to be like we're so proud of this person for being everything that they are and we want to celebrate that like no I think they're making like gag at the expense of like someone who's swishy and someone who's ostentatious but watching that watching that as an adult and celebrating and wanting to be around people like that in my own life Mm -hmm. wanting to surround Mm -hmm. myself with people like that I look back at that and I'm like Man, I'm really glad I saw that when I was little, and I thought Hollywood was the best. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. we can we can recognize that. I feel like that's the premise of Fanti, is we it can is. walk and chew gum at the it same is. time, guys. It is, because, like, listen, life is complicated. Things are complex, y'all. It's not all black and white. You're getting on my nerves, right? There's a whole lot of gray. <laughs> I often say that, you know, as a non-binary person, I I don't exist in the pink or the blue. I exist in Mm. the lavender expanses in between. Oh, right. Yeah, that's good. And so like, I'm all about that gray area because things are just really complex over here. And so Mm -hmm. we can say that like, oh, in my, you know, I was a sociology major as an undergrad. And so I always say Mm -hmm. I'm a sociologist by training. And so with my (laughs) (laughs) sociology, and so, you know, with my sociological lens, Mm-hmm. I can look at something and be like, oh, this is horrible representation for black queer people. This is like, it. it is a stereotype. It's super overblown. It's super effeminate or whatever, yeah. right? And also, so many people felt represented and will feel represented by that and found community in that and found yeah. a piece of themselves on screen for the first time, perhaps, right, that they could identify with in terms of the types of people they either want to be or be around, right, and be in community mm-hmm. with. And, like, we, we, can, we, can, we can do both. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's okay to do both. We don't want, you know, you don't got to, what, what's the saying? Th- throw the baby out with the bathwater oh, or whatever. Oh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That one. We don't, we don't got to do that. So, but, <laughs> but people like to, right, simplify things so much. Um, mm-hmm. But there's just so much, there's so much nuance. Well, and I, I think with, with L2, what you get is a character who like, listen, you can still be a hot girl and get taken seriously. It might lengthen your row, but like, you know what? Be a hot girl. Period. If you, are, you feel like a hot girl, if you Period. are a hot girl, then do not become less of a hot girl to succeed in the environment that demands that you not be that. No. Period. No, you stay the hot girl. Listen, you know what? You are speaking to my life right now, Jordan. Okay. I want to hear you talk about being a hot because, girl. Because because guess what? I can't help it that I'm a hot girl, right? It's not, it's not a choice. It's I, not a choice. I am just living out my divine purpose on this earth, <laughs> right? It. And it's to stand out. I can't, mm-hmm. listen, this, this is 
Zoom, every, I've had the, these, you know, LeMay fabrics behind <laughs> me this this entire fucking pandemic. And every time I hop on Zoom, everyone's always like, whoa, oh my God, so much energy. Huh? What? And I'm like, well, what did you, where's your energy? What do you mean? Yeah. This is normal. This is who yeah, I this am. Is this is who I am. Okay. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's just like you know i have realized that the beauty of life lies in you being who you know yourself to be mm-hmm. and for me that is a you know loud you know sometimes rambly um <laughs> <laughs> um lover of black movies and black films in particular um mm. Who also is a hot girl, a hot girl journalist. <laughs> you know, I want to wear the short. Let me, I'm yes. going to put on a short skirt, okay? And go into the conference room like everybody else. Because why not? <laughs> why not? Go into the conference room you, like everybody else. You know? And you're going to show Selma Blair possibility models period okay because and also you know for the selma blairs out there if you you know you want to wear your black turtlenecks with your single you know rung of pearls and yeah. you know your pants suits we love that too that's fine yeah. we want i want everybody do them i just need everybody to do them and don't be mad at me doing me because doing me looks a little different than you doing you Girls, this party is super fun. <laughs> nice outfit. Oh, I like your outfit too, except when I dress up as a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. <laughs> She's horrible. You've got the ring, sweetie. This is a fascinating Reese Witherspoon moment Mm. because this is like the tale of two Reese's. This Mm. is the Reese fork in the road Mm -hmm. where we go from like freeway and election and fear to like the hello sunshine Reese Mm -hmm. that we know today. And I think it's fascinating to sort of look at this like in retrospect and be like, wow, this hit. And she was like, I am El fucking Woods. (laughs) And, like, my career will kind of reflect an L. Woodsian arc compared Listen. to, like, the, like, neo-exploitation cinema. It was giving was girl making... boss very early, okay? Yes! Okay? Yes! Absolutely. I, I often say that Reese Witherspoon is, you know, one of, one of the very short list of uh, white women that I like. Uh-huh. Um, she always knows to like you know don't keep your mouth shut because you, you know sometimes people just want to jump into every conversation and every, yeah. you don't need to be in every conversation because then you start saying stuff and then I gotta fight you because now I know how you really feel and it's like damn yeah. I can't watch you know X show the same anymore because mm-hmm. you know you hate people like me you, you know yeah, you spoiled it you spoiled, you spoiled it, it right and Reese mm-hmm. uh, Reese Witherspoon is someone who has not yet spoiled anything for me um, and we're gonna we're gonna you know keep our fingers crossed yeah we're gonna cross our knock fingers on, on wood one, and yeah. everything. Um, you know, but, I love the I love her being tipsy and saying to a police officer, like, do you know who I am? Like, I want that. That absolutely I want to know about. That's what we want in our celebrities, okay? Um, but you're you're so right to like take to to chart, I would say, so much of what we see as who she is today back to um um legally blonde. And it was, I mean, listen. They got a musical out now about the, the <laughs> uh, about the movie. Like, who would have thunk it, right? It's amazing to look 
back at like right before Legally Blonde, there was a she did like a rom com called Overnight Delivery. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I haven't. But it's it's her and Paul Rudd, and mm-hmm. they're on. He thinks his girlfriend Christine Taylor, who goes to a different college, has cheated on him, and he mails her like a terrible, spiteful package that like is like a real fuck off, and he realizes he was wrong the very Uh-oh. next day, so he has to, and he sent an overnight delivery, so he has to race the package across the country. I don't remember how Reese ends up on this road trip with him, but this is an era <laughs> of Reese Witherspoon where she's A, brunette, and B, She's like the surly girl in the passenger seat of the car. Reese Witherspoon uh is playing like the reality bites girl compared to like the pretty blonde Christine Taylor. Like that's where we were selling Reese Witherspoon circa 2000. Trips. Ivy Miller. Thought the DJ said Ivy Von Trapp. Von Trapp is my stage name. Gotta go for that Catholic schoolgirl slut thing. Legally Blonde changed a lot of lives, including Reese Witherspoon's. <laughs> yeah. Would you? I wanted to know would would Travell Anderson take the same approach to getting into Harvard mm-hmm. that L. Woods did by making a, <laughs> a, a poppy, kicky video package like bikini clad in the pool with like a drink? Oh, hi. My name is L. Woods. And for my admissions essay, I'm going to tell all of you at Harvard why I'm going to make an amazing lawyer. Is that your route or what route are you taking to get in to Elle Woods as to into Harvard? You know, the route that I need is so I always tell people that I'm great on paper, but I'm even mm. better in person, okay? Right, right, right. Like yeah. You read my work. I hope you feel like I'm great on paper. You know, if you look at, you know, the little bit of career that I've had, I think she's cute, great on paper. But when I get in the room, oh, I'm blowing you away. (laughs) I'm knocking your socks off. I'm knocking your wig back. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm tearing it, right? Um, And so... You know, I would opt hopefully for an in-person interview. Um, mm. I don't want to. Don't, I don't need. I don't want to do the video. I need an in-person interview. Yeah. That way, one, my outfit's mm. gonna be real nice, so you're gonna get a little, you know, a little something, something <laughs> you know, because the, the visual is important. And then yeah. I get to mesmerize you, you know, mesmerize them with my my brilliance in person. I love seeing. Mm-hmm. The mental calculation that happens on people's face when I mm. walk into the room as, mm. you know, the candidate or as, you in this case, the candidate, but as That must be a very journalist. frequent part of your experience. Like, Ooh. that, I'm sure that's a training you've had Ugh. really ingrained to, like, just chart every micro-movement of a person's posture and face. And because part of it is about, am, am, is, is this going to remain a safe environment for me? <laughs> As, as you, as I realize you realizing mm-hmm. the truth of what is in fronting of in front of you is, yeah. am I going to have to, you know, check out the emergency exit? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, right, it's it's about survival, um, but also, you know. As a trained sociologist. Um, As a trained sociologist, yes. I'm sorry I didn't lead with that. I'm sorry I didn't open with that in your intro. Trained sociologist, Travell Anderson. You know, I like to think that I, you know, am just like 
observant of those you know specific yeah. things um and you're right I, you know there have been particularly when i was working at the la times there are plenty of instances when you know the talent is told oh yeah you're gonna do an interview at the la times this is before i guess i you know had a little bit of a name if you will sure um and then i would walk in in my payless pumps and you know <laughs> h&m <laughs> jeans or whatever um click clacking and <laughs> you could I could always see the mental calculation on their faces of like, mm-hmm. oh, um, <laughs> you know, one, the black people being like, oh, the journalist is black. But then everyone mm-hmm. else being like, oh, is is it a man? Is it a woman? <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, is, the, is one of them transgenders? Is, what, <laughs> what, what, are we, what are we doing? You know? Um, no one actually said those things, but, like, that's the yeah, that's the voice that I put to their you face. You can decode that. Yes. And so, like, you know, it, it's just, I'm, I am very used to it now. Um, and it had to get to a place where, like, I didn't allow those, those visual cues mm-hmm. to, like, throw me off or make me mm-hmm. think that I somehow did not belong in those spaces or should not be doing um those things um now i i look at it as oh you you don't know my brilliance yet and that's fine Mm -hmm. by the end of our conversation (laughs) you'll be mesmerized you know (laughs) it is with passion courage of conviction and strong sense of self that we take our next steps into the world remembering that first impressions are not always correct You must always have faith in people. And most importantly, you must always have faith in yourself. When did, was there a point when you started noticing, or was there a point, I guess, when you noticed that, you know, and it's a work in progress, but people of my intersectional experience, it it doesn't seem like they will have to graft onto Elle Woods anymore Mm. uh, to find their their models like do, do you like was there is there a point at which like if you have hope that you kind of started noticing there was cause for hope that like you can go on to write we see each other yeah. black trans journey through tv and film like wow i'm starting to have material in the present at not just a like deep indie cinema level perhaps where when i write this piece when i write something hypothetical like this mm-hmm. port existed like I will have material that I can draw from in the now mm-hmm. that is what will be the L Woods to people of the present. Mm-hmm. Like yes. inspiring them to go to law school and such. You know, for a lot of people, um, including myself, the first like, you know, uh actually not including me. Not I was about to mm. lie. Um for a lot of pe- <laughs> for a lot of people, Laverne Cox on Orange is the New Black was their first, you know, black trans woman celebrity. Mm -hmm. Um, Not not a black trans character, right? Mm -hmm. But a black trans woman um, with with a huge level of of notoriety and acclaim and whatnot. Um, And there was an article at the time on time magazine um the transgender tipping point is what the transgender tipping point is yes. what they called it and it mm-hmm. actually had a, a very pivotal um moment for me personally which i talk about in the book um i do think that laverne cox and the celebrity invisibility around her at that time was a shift of sorts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
suppose was mm-hmm. another shift of sorts. Yeah, yeah. But. Yes. I am reticent to pat the industry on the back. Totally. You know, for because mm-hmm. we've, we've got so much more to go, you know? There's there've been a host of glimmers. Even Tangerine, the movie Tangerine, mm. was a, a glimmer mm-hmm. of of a moment. Um, there was a, a foreign language uh, film that won the Oscar, um, uh, Una Mujer Fantastica, that was led by a, a trans woman, Daniela Vega. Mm-hmm. Uh, she presented at the Oscars. There have been these glimmers of progress, but we don't have a black trans mm-hmm. movie star. We, we, you know, like we don't have yeah. a black trans woman, right, who's number one on the call sheet yeah. um, in, in, in major productions. There was Eva Rain in Billy Porter's Amazon mm-hmm. movie, Anything's Possible. But Eva Rain is not a movie star and it's no shade to her, no. love to her, but no. she's, she's, she was a newcomer. Mm hmm. You know, so like there, there's always more more room to grow, um, and mm-hmm. more things to be done to reflect what we say is this promised land of you know representation, visibility, um, and inclusion um, that every folks folks say they're in. So shout out, shout out to the glimmers, shout out to the the small wins because they are important mm-hmm. and they they do chip away, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like you know, it's a it's a big old beast. That we chip, yeah. it, chip it away at. Okay, I guess my last question then, my very, very last mm-hmm. question to you then would be, what was your immediate experience of encountering the bend and snap? <laughs> Were you like, this is, I'm going to make this a part of my repertoire? Were you, did you have your own equivalent in your own life? Was this an influential I have always had bad you? knees, okay? <laughs> uh, I have always had bad knees. And, you know, they're in, in the scene, in the bend and snap scene, right, like, they are getting down, okay? <laughs> and so I don't know why in my childhood head, I was like, oh, let me try to remix it. Because, you know, let me put my own little twist on it, right? Yeah. I don't have the knees for that. Um, <laughs> and, and so, because you got to gotta engage your core and all of that to do it right. Um, yeah. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. I Just yes. for the record. Okay, I'm gonna show you a little maneuver that my mother taught me in junior high. In my experience, it has a 98% success rate of getting a man's attention and, when used appropriately, it has an 83% rate of return on a dinner invitation. Wow. (laughs) It's called the bend and snap. Watch this. I think I dropped something on the floor that I need to pick up. So you bend and snap. See? But yes, you know what happens in, you know, movies sometimes when they're trying to show that like a person is like, you know, on drugs or, you know, mentally Mm -hmm. transported elsewhere and like everything goes to white. And then, you know, you start falling in some sort of galaxy into (laughs) the new possible world that said said drug or intoxication has led them to. That is what happened to me with the bend and snap. (laughs) There is pre-bend and snap and post-bend and snap life. And I have (laughs) not been the same since. (laughs) (laughs) They've not been the same since. Travel Anderson, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been so wonderful to have you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you again so much to Travel Anderson. The book, once again, is called We See Each Other, and it's out right now. You can purchase this book. You should purchase this book. And Travel also narrated the audiobook. If you are an Angelino like us, and you want to get caught in traffic, but still read We See Each Other, you can have Travel put it right into your ears directly. And there's also a nine-episode podcast series of the same name that just premiered right here on Maximum Fun with Travel and co-host Char Jossel. If you're a fan of Feeling Seen and you like this conversation, We See Each Other is going to be really right up your alley. Um, and now one quick thing before I go, which is that the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, the union of writers who write the films and the TV shows that give you the characters that you love, and yes at times help you feel seen, that union is on strike right now because their demands for equitable treatment and secured futures and assurances from creative studios that their jobs will not be turned obsolete by uh, AI, which is not a replacement for the skill and craft and art and science of screenwriting. Uh, There's so many things so many easy demands, truly, that the Writers Guild is making of the studios that pay them. Easy because they are demands that seem to coincide with basic human decency and treating screenwriting like it is the career it has long forever been in this industry and not like it's a hobby that you support with side jobs because you can't afford to live as a career screenwriter anymore. Uh, I just wanted to bring this up because this podcast stands with the WGA. This podcast stands with the writers. Without the writers, there would be nothing, whether that is in journalism or that is in screenwriting. Two professions, Hollywood and journalism, where for some reason the writers always seem to be the last ones considered and the lowest paid uh, people in any corporate structure, despite the fact that everybody else makes money off the things that they create, the things that they write. This podcast stands with the writers, Union Strong, WGA Strong. We are pulling for you guys out there. They are picketing around the city of Los Angeles. So if you see writers out there holding signs, protesting for their rights as workers and their their rights as, again, people to be treated with basic decency um, by their employers, then give them a honk as you drive past. And that's it. That's all I want to say about it. That's our show. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod, or you can send us an email at FeelingSceneAtMaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Crew on Twitter. Our theme music is by Andrew Eben. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.